0: This is Play-By-Play Cast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play-by-play guys. For play-by-play guys. By I'm told, a play-by-play guy. It's a
1: bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for
0: him. Now here's the host of Play-By-Play Cast, Todd Bodette. Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godette. Joe Godette. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, Joel. with L. Okay, Here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway.
1: The catalyst of this comeback, a reason now, holding back to Smith out high. James Hart has been on the bench this entire time. Smith has stepped back three! Got it! That's unbelievable! Josh Smith just hit another three, and the Rockets lead by nine! How you like them, Apples, Hollywood? Here comes Mr. Smith!
0: It is a Thanksgiving weekend of the podcast. Thanks as always for clicking subscribe and or download and joining us here again on Stitcher or on iTunes on a Friday morning. My name is Joel Godette. This is the podcast about Play-By-Play guys for Play-By-Play guys, hosted by a Play-By-Play guy. As always, you can interact with us on social media at PXPCast, or I am at Joel Godette. We'll see if we can't get you guys going on the Twitter this week because I have a question that I want to get everybody involved in and see what kind of answers uh we come back with because this time of year is always in the college space in particular insane because of the crossover period you've got football you've got basketball going on simultaneously and it's not like it's conference season basketball where you know you have a regimented schedule you know in the mac we play Wednesday Saturday um or Tuesday Saturday or whatever it is there's it's Tuesday or Wednesday and then a Saturday or sometimes a Sunday or a Friday but like uh, I've pretty much just named five days, but you you know you know what you're getting into in terms of scheduling. Non-conference, you don't like you've got three games a week sometimes, uh, in three different locales. So, needless to say, for me, the last two weeks has been nuts. Nine broadcasts across three different sports: men's basketball, women's basketball, football. Uh, three different time zones. Uh, just this week alone. Men's basketball was at Bucknell on Wednesday, which is in Pennsylvania. Tuesday, I had a football game at home. Hashtag Maction. Monday was a travel day. Sunday, basketball in Oregon, uh, at Oregon. Saturday was a travel day. Friday was a basketball game at home. Thursday was a football game at home. Wednesday was a basketball game in Oklahoma against the Sooners. Tuesday was a travel day. Monday was a women's basketball game at home. So, like, that's been the last 10 days. And I'm now at home. My family lives just north of uh, Pennsylvania. Please don't burglarize my house today if you're listening to this on time. Um, but but I will be, uh, I'll be back in Indiana uh, coming up tonight because tomorrow uh, Ball State is at the trees. The Cardinals take on Indiana State. The Sycamores tomorrow afternoon. And then after that, i got two more games next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. So it's just a nuts time of year. Here's where we want the interaction. Uh, if you've got crazy schedules or your craziest stretch, uh, not necessarily traveling horror stories, but just like lots of traveling stories, uh, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at PXPCast or at Joel GoDet J-O-E-L-G-O-D-E-T-T, and tell us uh, the, the most number of games you've done in the fewest amount of time, or the shortest amount of time. Just kind of curious to see... What kind of interesting responses we might draw here this week? All right, let's uh, jump into the, uh, the guest today because, let's be honest, that's why all of us listen. Uh, nobody's here for my ramblings. Craig Ackerman is the radio voice of the Houston Rockets, and he has been such... Since the 2008-2009 season, and now actually he's dabbling in some television as well, with Bill Worrell uh, drastically cutting back his schedule last year. Uh, rarely does he ever travel anymore this year. So Craig now gets to do television on the road and radio at home for the Rockets, so kind of the best of both worlds. He became the radio voice for Houston in 2008. However, that's not when he joined the Rockets organization, and we'll dive into that um, with Craig right off the top here as well. But he had been in the Rockets organization for 14 years. Craig's been, he's worked for some other places. He's been the voice at Houston. He's done football, for, or he's been involved in the football broadcast at Rice. Um, has really kind of been a, a broadcaster on the scene in Houston for, for a long time. Um, what, I mean, at this point, two decades? Uh, so, so Craig's name has been around a lot down in Houston, including the fact that when he began his career with the Rockets, he was just an intern, and he worked his way up from intern to you know show host and producer, and then found his way into an on-air role as the voice of the Rockets in 2008. It's an interesting climb that is different than anybody we've had on the podcast recently uh, as, in terms of somebody who, who really climbed an organization and saw it as his path. Early on, I'm going to be around, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be with the Rockets, and this is my family, and, and Houston is my spot, and I'm going to climb that way. Uh, so I thought it was interesting to talk to Craig about that, but certainly uh, some of the other areas he's uh, delved off to professionally, uh, he's done arena ball, arena football in Houston as well we'll talk a little bit about rice and, and a little bit about Houston we'll talk uh, a lot of wonk stuff this week in terms of his preparation and uh, the type of broadcast he likes to put forward and and the energy question uh, he's a big energy guy on air so uh, how much is the right amount of energy uh, and and how do you bring that kind of personality to a broadcast we'll get into all of that and more this week with the longtime voice of the Houston Rockets and even longer time employee of the Houston Rockets Greg Ackerman. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, sure. You know, my situation, I think everybody has a has a unique story. Um, And uh, I'd like to think that mine in particular is pretty unique because I've sort of literally grown up um, with the Rockets. I mean, literally grown up. Um, I'm 43. This is my 24th season with the organization. So the math is is pretty easy to do. I mean, I've worked for this for the team and the organization in one form or another for more than half my life. Um, and you know, I, I, I think it's important. I mean, obviously, again, I don't think something, uh, you don't find my situation very often around there, but I think having familiarity uh, with an organization and more importantly, them getting to know you, uh, learn you trust you, um, is so important because, um, one of the very first bits of advice is, um, I ever got when I thought about getting into this business when I was, was 19 was that you're not going to realize this now, but you will. And I have ultimately is that this is a very small community. Um, And ultimately everybody sort of knows everyone. And the more people you get to know, the better opportunity you have to advance further in your career. And ultimately I think that that sort of begins and ends with, if you want to work for one of the major four pro sports teams in America, the best and optimal way to do so is for them to get to know you and what better way to, for them to get to know you if you have an opportunity to work for them uh, in some capacity before ultimately getting the job uh, that you want. And for me, you know, that's the that's the path um, that, that I took, uh, that I was fortunate and lucky enough to take and the one that's benefited me, obviously.
0: Did you plot that out from the beginning or, or at what point did you realize uh, I'm in a good spot because I'm part of the organization?
1: You know the irony is that when I did my very last, see, I'd already been interning with the Rockets. I started in 1994, so the second of the back-to-back championship seasons. I was still in school, um, and so originally, actually, I wanted to be a, a doctor or a veterinarian. <laughs> and then I ultimately, <laughs> you know, and, and and then the the calculus and the advanced chemistry stuff just got to be too much for me. And I, I played baseball in college, and I was like. Um, you know, I, I want at some point I realized that my playing career wasn't going to take me any further than that. And I did. And then I realized that the medical field probably wasn't for me. And I was like, well, what do I enjoy doing? Well, obviously, I love sports, all of them. And I really like to talk. So why not try to get into broadcasting? And so um, when the opportunity to become an intern with them presented itself, I was just excited about being part of an organization, an organization that just won a championship the year before. So I went from like super fan to sort of having a very small part being on the inside. And I thought that was, uh, that was, that was really neat. Uh, and, and honestly, when I, when I first got that internship uh, at that time, you know, I was thinking, this is what I want to do. I want, I want to, I want to do play by play. I would love to do it for my hometown rockets. And so I started plotting goals for myself um, at that point. Um, you know, I want to accomplish this by this age and so on and so forth. And, I just went about trying to accomplish that. Uh, I think there were certainly some frustrating uh, moments along the way, and where, where certain things didn't work out for me at certain times. Um, but you know, again, over the years, it's needless to say, it's 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 worked out.
0: Tell me about the internship part of that, uh, because I know when the, the conversation we've had previously, you, you talked about being able to hear different guys throughout the league. Because I mean, you're sitting there cutting highlights. Um, what what did you learn just listening to everybody every night? Well, you know, I don't
1: feel that old, but te- uh, technology-wise, I am extremely old in this business. When <laughs> I first started, um, everything was done on reel-to-reel tape and carts, and probably anybody under the age of, I don't know, 38 or 40 in this business is probably like, what are you talking about? I've only <laughs> seen that in the old movies. Um, and so, but one of my jobs as an intern, when I worked game nights for the Rockets, um, was, I cut highlights obviously for the, for the Rockets radio broadcast, but my job was to monitor other teams around the league and pull highlights for our scoreboard shows and and the pre half and post game. And so I did, yes, I did have a chance right off the bat um, to listen to engage the guys who were at the top of the profession. And I was able to sort of get an idea of what I liked, uh, what I didn't like, what I found appealing, what I didn't find appealing, what I found was interesting and not interesting. And I think that was a huge influence On me Because in those days, I always felt like in terms of uh, outside of Gene Peterson, who was the longtime radio voice of the Rockets, I always felt like the best, the two, the two guys I really enjoyed listening to the most were Kevin Harlan when he was doing radio for the Timberwolves, not television, but radio. And they were horrible. I mean, they were absolutely horrible. And he made every game sound like it was interesting. And Kevin Calabro was currently the TV voice of the Portland Trailblazers back in the days when I think before he started simulcasting. Maybe he was just simulcasting at that point with the Sonics, um, but basically doing a radio call. I always found that those two guys, their energy and their passion and their inc- excitement for the game, especially on radio, translated the best to me, for me. And so I've always felt like, you know, especially on the radio side, and, and these days with every game being televised, if you want to hold listeners and attract people, um, you're exci- being passionate and, and, and exciting. Are the two most important things for me on the radio side, and that's something that's that stuck with me ever since.
0: Outside of the energy, because I want to come back to that uh, here in a second. But you know, you talk about a guy like Kevin Harlan. What else would make a Timberwolves broadcast when they were horrible uh, intriguing, interesting? How else would he latch you in um, beyond just the energy level?
1: Well, I, you know, I, I he was funny. Um, you know, what you know, it, it wasn't just the the the, the bland. Um, you know, the guy misses a shot. I mean, if somebody missed it horribly or, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you never, uh, and I've stood by this, you never, when you're calling a game, especially if you work for a team, Um, I think it's important to be critical of what's going on. I think it's, it's important to your credibility to point out if things aren't going well. I mean, if the if team is shooting 35% for the night, you, I, and everybody else knows that that's terrible. I think it's important to point it out, but I think, if you want to convey energy and excitement to listeners, instead of just pointing things out from time to time, just the bland standards, you know, regular way, you know, um, so, sort of add a little bit of um, uh, humor to it and so on and so forth. And I always thought that he was, he was great with that. Obviously I think he's got one of the best voices going in the business, if not the best voice in the business, which certainly helps. Um, but he would, you know, he would use his voice, to convey excitement, convey disappointment, use all kinds of various descriptors uh, for certain things in a, in a very similar way who, that Doc Emmerich does with the NHL. And I think most guys in our profession that you run across would say that Doc Emmerich is pound for pound the best play-by-play guy in the business. And I think his ability to use vocabulary and his voice to convey excitement and disappointment and describing things different ways. I thought Kevin, especially when the T-Wolves were really, really, really bad, Uh, really added to the excitement of what normally probably would have been been a very boring game to listen to. Let's go
0: back to the energy question. Um, What's the right way to do energy uh, in a broadcast? And and I guess the the kind of the three little bears, you know, mantra of, of, you know, what's just right as opposed to too much or too little.
1: Yeah. You know, I think there's a fine line between and I'm guilty. I will admit I have been certainly guilty of this over time, more so earlier in my career than now, but even now from time to time, I, I I'm certainly guilty of this. I think there's a fine line between, uh, excitement and screaming. And I think sometimes maybe the, the moment overtakes everybody. Um, but, but for me, like m- me personally, my, I have a very loud, really loud voice. Um, and so I have to sort of sometimes watch exactly, uh, how loud I get, but I think For most people, I think the easiest way to convey excitement, especially on the radio side, is just describe more. Go into greater detail about what you are seeing out there on on the floor, the field, et cetera. Because the more you describe, it forces you to talk quicker, talk faster. And the faster you talk, I think organically excitement just sort of bubbles to the surface um and, and and not to mention i think it's just it, it you know people who describe more are better at their job uh especially again when it comes to the radio side but the more you can describe it doesn't become forced it's just you talking faster and by sort of talking faster the excitement just sort of sort of comes and then again obviously i think there is a sort of a fine line between screaming and conveying a ton of excitement which again i will admit that i have been certainly guilty of uh, in my career and from time to time certainly am Uh, To to this to this point. And and again, I try to watch that stuff. But I think, again, when it comes to radio, just be more descriptive, uh, be more variant with how you describe things, come up with different ways um, to, you know, talk about certain situations, um, because I think from time to time, guys kind of get bored themselves saying the same things over and over and over again. So find different ways to describe things and just describe more. And the faster you talk, I think the more excitement that automatically uh, conveys to your listeners, and and doesn't seem forced at all.
0: Uh, from a voice standpoint, uh, and, and you mentioned the you know the the, the borderline between getting too screamy, etc. Uh, how how much? I mean, have you have you done like voice work in your career, or tried to hone your instrument in that way, or taken kind of lessons, or how did you learn to control it so that when you did get excited, you didn't get to the you know the point where you didn't want to be at?
1: Um, I, no, I haven't taken any sort of lessons uh, anywhere, uh, from anyone, uh, in that regard. Um, I've just listened back to my work. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I think, I think I'm probably my, my biggest critic going. Um, I think everybody who does this knows that knows when they had a good game, knows when they had a bad game. Uh, and you know, you don't really need anybody to tell you that you automatically know, Um, that was a great show. That was terrible. And so you just kind of listen back to your own stuff and be your fiercest critic and realize that, ooh, that may have felt right at the time, but it didn't come across that way. And just try to correct your own mistakes by studying uh, your own work. Um, Be a student of the profession, which, again, I've been since my initial interning days with the Rockets because I was listening to everybody else around the league. So I was able to critique them and figure out what worked and what, at least what I thought worked. And then you just have to do it and then learn from your own mistakes.
0: How much do you still uh, get to listen back now?
1: Uh, I will admit uh, on, on the radio stuff, I mean, I've done, between all the stuff I've done over the last 20-plus years on the radio side, I haven't listened back uh, to a radio broadcast I've done uh, in a long while. Although I, I will, uh, when they run highlights and stuff at halftime, and post-game uh, for the Rockets when I do radio, I do listen back to those um, and do sort of honestly listen uh, to the same things that I, that I just described there, but I haven't actually listened back uh, to a full radio broadcast. I, I couldn't even tell you the last time there, but since I've been you know moved halfway into television as well for the Rockets over the last couple of seasons and I don't nearly have uh, the, ex- the experience TV-wise as I do in radio, I've literally watched back every game I've done on television, television for the Rockets and have taken notes and realized what worked and what didn't work. And I, and I will admit, from someone who has had a, for the most part, primary radio background, moving into television when radio, you need to use voice to sort of convey excitement. It just doesn't come across that well on TV. So that's sort of the main thing that I've that I've listened back for and try to con- concentrate on the most.
0: How do you play with that? How, do, how did you make the necessary adjustment to to make sure that comes across the right way.
1: Um I just make sure I don't I don't get so loud. I, I it's I guess it's kind of tough to describe. I mean m- my voice is loud is because growing up m- my dad had hearing aids from basically from birth. And so my entire life I had to speak up, you know, for for my dad uh, to be able to hear us. And my sister's the exact same way. We both have extremely loud projecting voices look i get accused of screaming at home by my wife and kids (laughs) all the time and i'm like i'm not screaming i'm not screaming and so i just have to i just have to concentrate on and i know what i realized on tv is that i don't i don't need to project i don't i know and this might be difficult to to describe but i don't i don't need to project as loudly i just sort of just hone it in and try to stay a little, stay a little bit more calm. And then that allows my voice to stay a little bit more um, steady uh, for TV. Because again, um, on, on radio, when there's a, when there's a huge dunk um, you know, I think it's important for guys to basically convey that it was a pretty significant moment in a game, but on TV, I think you can do, uh, I when I early last season when there was a situation like that, I felt like I got too screamy. Um, and it just did not translate much on TV because everybody can see it. And so I just try to concentrate on just sort of staying a little bit calmer. Don't project quite as much. Um, and found out that you can still sort of convey the same amount of excitement without as much volume, if that makes any sense.
0: Sure. How about, I, I'm curious of this. And, and uh, I mean, you mentioned the the two Kevins and I asked you about Harlan already, so I'll come back to the other one now. Um, and uh, you know, I was just in Portland with uh, with, our, with our basketball team, and I, I stopped by and, and kind of watched Kevin Calabro do his thing uh, for a night with the Trailblazers. And, and one of the questions I had for him is, he took out his spotting boards, um, and they're they're what he needs, but they're and they have the information that he needed on them, but they weren't too storyline in depth. And the question I had for Kevin, I basically said, like, you know, if you needed to know. Deeper background information, where does that go? Um, and the the conversation that we had had kind of a little bit to do with, you know, it's different in the NBA at a certain level because, you know, if I'm doing a college game where Ball State's playing Oregon, it's important for me to point out that, you know, Oregon lost 87% of its scoring from a year ago. Three guys go to the NBA draft. They've only got one starter back from last year and kind of go into a little bit more of the stories of that. But at the NBA level, um, People are a little bit more familiar. You know, a a, a Rockets fan is going to know stuff about the Dallas Mavericks that you don't have to explain, history of franchise and and total backstories of Dirk Nowitzki and things of that nature. Uh, What is storytelling like for you at the NBA level in terms of how you introduce fans to players and fans to teams, understanding that there might already be a general understanding of who you're talking about and kind of where you're coming from and uh, and painting the right picture with the right strokes, so that you're not too um, too over general, uh, but at the same time, you you do feed the information to people that might not know, if that makes well, sense. Well, I
1: certainly gr- I, well, I certainly agree that on on the professional level, uh, teams, players, etc., um, are more noticeable, and because there's information, there's just there's gobs of information. Everybody knows basically if you're a fan of a, of a team into or a sport, you're virtually a fan of every team and every player and every coach in the league. I mean, you understand, you know who they are. I mean, the, the information is, is, is everywhere. Uh, but I will admit for me personally, um, I'm a little bit obsessive with, with my preparation. Um, I, I would stack my level of preparation up against anyone, uh, in the business, my, my spotting boards, which uh, are, I just basically have Microsoft Word documents that I used, are incredibly um, detailed. Um, as far as storytelling is concerned, I think that, that just sort of, you have to kind of, it's just kind of a feel for certain things in certain games. I mean, you also have to realize that, you know, there are new groups of people all the time watching and or listening who, younger people who really don't have much of an idea about use the example with Dirk Nowitzki what he was able to accomplish earlier in his career because I never had an opportunity to watch him play um at his at his prime so I think it's important to 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 touch upon those things I think that's just sort of a a feel but I will admit in terms of my general preparation um especially I look I work for the Rockets we've been at the forefront of the analytical movement in the NBA Uh, I am a huge believer uh in it uh and the information that it provides in the edge that it's ultimately provided for the Rockets and the way it's changed the way uh, basketball is being played uh, at the NBA level. And for that matter, everywhere. Um, and so I do delve pretty deep in, into that stuff. And if I, do, if I find myself not knowing what a guy did three or four years ago, that I might end up using In a situation now if it's pertinent uh then i feel like i haven't done my job in terms of my my preparation so i i keep all kinds of stuff from 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 all from years past on my spotting boards um for historical context purposes that i may or or may not use i don't think you can ever be uh, prepared enough and so i sort of uh take take that route and uh, if i use it i use it if i don't i don't but i just feel honestly naked if i don't go through all of those steps to make sure that i have you know all of all of my uh, my boxes checked
0: this is a hard question uh in an audio medium but uh what what do your boards look like in that regard in terms of how much information you've got and, and where it is and, and how you keep it accessible to yourself so that you don't go hunting for it uh when you need it quickly in a game
1: well i think for everybody there's spotting boards you do something that works for you and everybody's different i mean i, I you know i, I think they're almost like fingerprints. Yeah. Uh, everybody, everybody's spotting board is unique. Um, you tailor it to how you feel comfortable. So, so what I use may not be comfortable for you, and and, and vice versa. I've just found something that that worked for me. When I, I probably, I probably switched to a Word document that I keep on my computer, and I have a touchscreen laptop that I use to scroll up and down. But I probably switched to that probably, oh, I don't know. 12 plus plus years ago, because I honestly, I just got sick and tired of redoing the written ones every time for the reason I just mentioned is that I would have stuff from several years ago, or I would make sure I'd have things on there and how many times a guy made an all-star game or, Mm -hmm. you know um, how many times he's been named to an all defensive team. And so if you just write that stuff down, I found out that, well, I had to keep repeating it over and over and again, because you'd have to repeat your handwritten board. And so I just found out that it was a lot easier to do something electronically because all those edits, once something doesn't become pertinent, all you got to do is just delete it, and if it still remains important, you just keep it on there. And so I don't have to keep. But my spawning was basically, um, you know, I have obviously the team, uh, their various records, home away versus the conference, et cetera, uh, coaches biographical information, including um, their, um, uh, you know, their records, uh, just general notes about the franchise what they did the year before, uh, maybe the last previous couple of years, if it's, if it's pertinent um, to, you know, maybe like for instance, Minnesota, this rules and missed the playoffs 13 straight years. And it's pretty important to, to keep down and remember um, when you're doing a game against Minnesota. And then when it comes to the players, obviously number, name, um, birth date, where they're from, how many years in the league, I update the stats um, every single game on my board. And then have, again, the same thing with players, what they did last year, what they've done, for their careers um what they've done in previous years if you know for instance um somebody has a, a unique story um to tell i make sure i keep that in there um because you never know when when you might need that um it might fit and or you need might need something to help sort of fill fill some space so so my my boards are are pretty uh, are pretty darn uh detailed and then i also have a separate document that i that i keep track of all the various You know, advanced numbers, offensive ratings, defensive ratings, uh, rebounding percentage, turnover percentage, and other stuff from my research that I can't actually fit uh, into the boards that I can access uh, a little bit easier. And I update that stuff on a a game-by-game basis.
0: How often do you explain the statistics? Like, I mean, if you're going to use offensive rating, defensive rating, um, how many times will you – kind of read people into how offensive rating is calculated and what it means, et cetera, uh, versus the understanding of metrics becoming uh, more pervasive that people, you know, have an understanding of how that's all applied.
1: I don't think that I I've rarely if ever actually explained the mechanics, the math, if you will, behind some of that advanced stuff, because I'll be honest with you. Some of it can get a little <laughs> even tough uh, for me. Sure. Um. But what I, I, I do use it to, to reference, um, I, I honestly, and it, at this day and age, it drives me crazy at the NBA level when I see broadcasters say they're the top scoring team in the league or, you know, they give up the fewest amount of points per game in the league. And they use that as sort of a standalone descriptor to rely upon where that team's standing is in the league without taking pace of play into consideration. And I think that, and I, and and so what I use is I use, I use those numbers. I don't go into the details of how they're calculated, but I don't reference when I call a team, this is the best offense in basketball. I don't reference the amount of points they score. I reference their, their offensive rating. And, And occasionally I'll reference this is the top team in terms of their, their offensive rating. But then most of the time I'll just basically say, this is the team that's in the middle of the pack. Um, I don't reference individual team rebounding numbers anymore. I factor in how good a team is rebounding-wise by their overall rebounding percentage um, or the lack thereof because it, it, it honestly is a better calculation and feel for where, where teams actually sit than the actual raw uh, numbers. Now, I, occasionally I'll still use raw numbers, especially when it comes to uh, player statistics you know, shooting-wise. Uh, rebounding-wise, scoring-wise, and things like that. But when I reference where a team actually is, uh, I tend to, to lean in on, the, on some, of the, some of the advanced numbers. And I think as time has gone on, I think especially at the NBA level, basketball fans have become um, among the smartest in sports. And so especially the younger crowd, everybody kind of understands and follows this stuff and uses it more of a reference than the raw stuff. And so I think that at least I would like to hope and think that that stuff translates a little better than just some of the raw stuff.
0: What's been the best moment for you? Uh, and you've been there for a while. Uh, what's been the best moment through all of that as uh, the voice or a voice for the Rockets? Oh
1: boy. Um, that's a, <laughs> that's a good question. Um,
0: or are there I, a couple I, that come to mind that, that, that were fun for you to be a part of?
1: Um, well, I, hmm, that's a good one. I, I look, I, I'll admit that I love what I do. Um, I, I enjoy the fact that I do not work for a living. Uh, I feel very fortunate to be in the position that I am doing what I do. And I never take any of that uh, for granted. Um, you know, the, the, the first moment I guess that sticks out is when I got the initial call uh, after that my, my longtime predecessors who I worked with retired and I was promoted um, to be the new radio voice of the team. I, don't, I think it's, it, it doesn't happen. I'm not from Houston, um, but I've been here since I was five. It's not very often that somebody has an opportunity to call games for their hometown team, the team they grew up rooting for. Um, and so I thought that was an incredibly um, special moment and sort of felt like, you know, I, 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 finally, got, I finally got to where I wanted to be. Uh, I'm still never satisfied, by the way, but I I, but that that was a really proud moment. Um, What what was that call like? Well, you know, it was interesting during that 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 time period is that, you know, I had heard that, you know, there were obviously when any one of these jobs opens up. I mean, there were hundreds upon hundreds of people vying for the position, including a lot of well-known national guys who wanted the job um and it it, it's it sort of felt as a as a validation for all the times that i started off as an unpaid intern Uh, i worked for three years as an intern while i was going to school uh the last two of which after i transferred to my final school that's a topic for another time which was about 70 miles away from houston and i would commute back and forth every single game Um, and then all the various hard work that i put in you know, um, producing games and and just sort of grinding and doing everything that I could to gain experience and try to gain a leg up and prove that I was worthy of doing this. It just sort of felt like it. it just felt like justification. You know, I, I had this goal. Um, and again, I go back to what I said earlier. I, when I was younger, I'd said, You know, I honestly I, when I when I came out of school, I was like, you know what, I want to be um, the main voice of a Division One program by the time I was 28. And I was able to accomplish that at the University of Houston, and then I, you know, then my next goal was, you know what? I want to be, I want to be the voice of an NBA team by the time I'm 34, and I ended up achieving that goal. So it was just sort of a, a justification for all the work and everything else that I that I had put in. Because believe me, I know how hard this business is. Um, I'm not sure if as rewarding as it can be. I don't know if I would necessarily recommend this to people because there are a lot of great people in this business a lot of people who are worthy of working at the top levels who never get an opportunity to do so for one reason or another and it just sort of felt like justification that that i made it all the hard work had paid off and just try not to screw it up
0: um i i was i mean that answer was far better than what i was what i was expecting from that but uh i was i was curious um the fourteen Western Conference Finals as well. Um, what was it like to be part of that from a broadcast standpoint? Oh,
1: against the Clippers. The oh well, well the the comeback against the Clippers reminded me of my days when I was first started with the Rockets in the Clutch City days. I mean that was the closest thing <laughs> that that I can recall uh, around here that that reminded me of that when they were down three one and and uh, and and in game five they were down by um, what was it nineteen points at the end of the third quarter and they ended up coming back and they won the game and ultimately came back and won the series. Um, I mean the, the West finals was, 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 was cool. Um, I, look, I, I, I am one person that treats, I treat every, to me, the, the, the biggest game on my schedule is the next game on my schedule. And, um, I treat every game I do the exact same way, whether it's preseason regular season, um, postseason. I mean, all the games, you know, I, I try not to get too caught up in the moment, but again, I, there are times where I certainly, certainly have, but I, I think every game is, is an important one. I mean, and, and, you know, that I think the comeback against the Clippers was, was certainly, um, up there, uh, you know, on that list. Cause it just, it, it felt neat to sort of be part of something, um, like that again. Um, so, I mean, the West finals was, was great, but It was just like last year's second round against the Spurs or even the game that we honestly that we have coming up uh, on Wednesday against the Nuggets. And I try to treat every game the same because you never know what you're going to see on on that particular night and ultimately be a part of. And so I just find everything that I do to be amazing. And like I said earlier, I I literally pinch myself every day (laughs) that I get a chance to do this. Because when I came out of college and I did my last game at my student station, the men's basketball team got eliminated at their conference tournament. I was like, you know what? I'm never ever going to do this again, ever. And here I am doing what I'm doing at the level that I'm doing it. And so I'm I'm, I'm very fortunate and understanding um, of of my place. And I don't I never take any of that for granted.
0: Which is nuts, by the way. That I guess kind of when you look back at it and have that thought, like I thought this was going to be over. And, uh, and I literally, again.
1: honestly, I, st- I I still remember that feeling uh, to this day. Um, I said goodnight, and um. I was like, you know what? It, it felt there was this sort of um, numbness that came over me. And I was like, you know what? I'm never going to do this again. I, I, I fell in love with it then. And I was like, no one is ever going to allow me to do this again. No one is ever going to pay me to do this. Um, and, and again, lo and behold, it's it's obviously it's obviously worked out. and I'm very fortunate.
0: Um, I don't want to keep you for too much more time, but I do want to ask you about uh, very quickly some of the other stuff you've done, just generally speaking. <laughs> Um, from the standpoint of I, I, obviously your goal, you had made that goal be the voice of a, uh, an NBA team by the time you were 34. Uh, but what do you miss or do you miss about some of the other stuff you were able to do in terms of college athletics or, you know, when the, the Thunder Bears were in the arena league? What it was. I mean, was it cool to call arena football? I mean, that's not something everybody gets to do. Uh, it was different.
1: It was different. I did a game with Kurt Warner at the old barn in, uh, that's right. in Des Moines there for the Iowa Barnstormers. It was uh that was at, uh, that did, league, did you know then uh, that he was gonna <laughs> no of course, well he was a great player in the arena League at the time, but but everybody sort of equated Kurt Warner as the, the great arena League uh, quarterback. <laughs> um, that, 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 that's an interesting league. you know I, I have primarily done football and basketball. Um, I haven't done much. I've done I've called one football game. Since two thousand and three, the last radio football game I did was when the universe, uh, U of H played Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl, uh, which was like a it was like a wild game. There was it was like it went to five overtimes, and then afterwards there was a gigantic. This was on Christmas, a gigantic brawl on the field. I mean, straight Donnybrook. I mean, we're talking. Sixty guys for them, sixty guys for you. I mean, it was an all at all out brawl. Are you still on the um, air when that happens? Yeah, we were still on the air. What what do you um, what do you
0: do in that situation?
1: I, I you know I you know I I I, I my personally you, you have fun with it. I mean again you <laughs> you don't, don't got it you don't see that 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 kind of stuff very often. So uh, enjoy the moment. But then after that is when I sort of moved over. To becoming full time broadcast guy with the Rockets as the studio host. Um, I did, I called one football game on TV during the lockout in 2011. But I, know, one thing I miss about, I've never done any NFL stuff, but I do miss about football is sort of the, the pageantry um, of, of game day, you know, arriving to a stadium earlier and everybody's out there, you know, tailgating and having a great time. And I, and I, I kind of, I kind of miss that. But I, but I also will admit, I think every night in the NBA, uh, is an event uh, in and of itself and so um, but it, it, that's probably really the only thing that, you know the, the, when I did the WNBA when the Houston Comets were here um, I wasn't doing play-by-play when they won uh, their four championships but I was I was I was part of the the broadcast team and that was a lot of fun because the crowds were were incredible um, again the arena league was that was uh, that was an interesting time um, but I think that if I miss really anything that I'm not currently doing is an opportunity to walk into a, a stadium packed full of people on a, on a Saturday morning before a college football game. I think, I don't think that kind of pageantry, uh, is duplicated sort of in sports. And, um, you know, if I had a chance to, to mix in some college football, uh, here or there with my schedule, which is tough, but if I had a chance to do so, I think that that would be something that would be pretty neat for me to to continue to do. That's interesting, just from like because
0: my perspective, and I I don't always you know I I don't call a ton of games at that high of a level at this point you know but you know you go to Texas A and M the pageantry is a little bit different than than in the MAC but like I walk into an NBA venue and like to me that's like the the pageantry of of whatnot and being able to see sports executed on that high of a level and the amount of fans that come out and the the amount of media that descends on things like that. Um, so it's like it's almost like the inverse for me. It's like a, it, to be able to 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 see what you guys do on a, on an everyday basis blows my mind. Um, well, I know. I I like <laughs> I said.
1: I agree. I think the NBA. I think every game in the NBA is an event. But you know, you you once you're kind of around something, uh, yeah, because it becomes, it, it, it becomes it, it, your that, that part of it sort of does ultimately become sort of a a bit of a of a routine. Sort of been there, sure, uh, done that. But I still I still get I still get pretty pretty darn pumped and excited. Uh, right before I say my first words um, on a broadcast. Um, I, I, I still do. I, I still, like I said, I, I love what I do. Um, I'm uh, very appreciative of the place and the opportunities uh, that, I, that I've been given. And, uh, and, I, and I try not to um, let any of that sort of um, slip away and, and, and take away from, from what I do and where I am because, because I realize that a lot of dominoes had to, I mean, I'd like to think that I'm good at what I'm doing, but a lot of dominoes <laughs> sure. had to had to had to sort of fall in the right direction for me to, to be in this place, and, and I understand that.
0: Well, Craig, I uh, I know you got to get to work, and uh, and I got to get to work, so I, I appreciate you uh you taking the time and uh, and doing this. It was a lot of fun to to pick your brain, and uh, I certainly am appreciative of the time.
1: Well, anytime. Uh, it was it was great to have an opportunity to meet you when we were up in, in Indianapolis. Um, keep up the, the the good work, the hard work. Um, and, um, and like I said, as when we talked, um, continue to network, meet people. Uh, I think it's very, very important for, for, for younger guys uh, in the business to, to ultimately try to get their, their foot in the door at some point, um, with the, with the professional organization, because I think in this day and age, when people are looking to, to hire. Uh, they're they're more apt to go with somebody they're comfortable with and that they know and trust as opposed to just going with sort of an sort of an unknown. So best of luck to you and, and thanks, Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: That's Craig Ackerman of the Houston Rockets joining us here on the podcast. If you'd like to find him on social media, do uh, feel free to reach out to him. He is at c a underscore rockets. Let him know you heard the podcast. Uh, you enjoyed some of the stuff that he talked about. Um, some of the topics that he hit on. If you learned anything, uh, feel free to to shout him out and uh, and let him know. It's always good. Um, I appreciate the guys coming on and talking to me and doing this podcast. And uh, it's always great if you guys get something from him as well, uh, just to let him know that, uh, you know, hey, it was was worth your while to uh, hop on the pod. I got something out of it, uh, just like um, other people that are listening as well. So uh, certainly would be appreciative uh, if you uh, shout those guys out on Twitter or retweet uh, when we post the podcast. Uh, etc. A lot coming up. By the way, before we go into next week, I like the analytics stuff that we got into there as well. A lot of times on the podcast, uh, we've talked some analytics and some numbers with various people. uh, And often the the idea is to kind of skew to the side of less, to not be too numbersy and and complicated in that note. Uh, But I, I like the fact that Craig gets into it and the fact that numbers and analytics are important and how he incorporates it into his broadcast. I thought it was good um, to hear a guy who's kind of on the, yes, analytics is good, and numbers are great, and uh, how do we use those best to tell a story uh, in the the least confusing way possible. I thought it was good to hear from him. So, uh, quick shout-out on that note um, as as a postscript here. Uh, Next couple of weeks, though, will be interesting because I was in in Portland, as I mentioned this week. Uh, Ball State men's basketball played at Oregon on Sunday evening... And I was in. We were in Portland. We, we stayed about two hours north of the game, uh, right by the airport, and set up a couple of interviews for the podcast while I was out there. So we're gonna have some uh, Portland Pac-12 influence and the like over the next couple of weeks, and uh, maybe uh, sprinkled in beyond that as well. But uh, if that's the if that's the the tint of the podcast we get a couple of weeks going forward, uh, you'll understand why I've got this like West Coast binge going on. Uh, so anyway, with that being said, we will talk to you next week. Uh, many thanks as always to Craig Ackerman for joining us uh, to you for clicking subscribe and download
1: and we'll see you right back here next Friday on playback podcast.